Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. As I'm still unpacking boxes in this pre-recorded episode, we talk about kayaking and open plan offices. Now, Lippy. Yes. We're taking a week off. We have. Yes, so this is pre-recorded, so there'll be no news items. No. We're simply going to cover cover a topic or two from our big list of topics. Yes, big list of topics. So you wanted to talk about kayaking. Yes, I love a little... Now, before we start, I think it's worth just mentioning the difference between kayaking and canoeing. (laughs) Because they can be used interchangeably incorrectly. So Mm. let's uh, let's just put, put matters right. So in a kayak, in a kayak which is the sort of vessel we're used to, Mm -hmm. the paddler is seated and uses a double-bladed paddle to effectively row with. Yeah. In a canoe, the paddler kneels, which has got to be really uncomfortable for any length of time, Mm. and uses a single-bladed paddle to propel the boat forward. Interestingly, both uh, canoe and kayak are raced from club to Olympic level. Mm. And I've seen kayak racing on the Olympics before but i can't remember ever seeing canoeing neither can i but they do kind of sit in a canoe it's like a they kneel under and then there's a bench above them i don't know whether they kneel on a board or whether it's directly on the bottom of the boat strange i mean you tend to think of canoeing with native americans yes and so i suspect it's that's probably an american thing Mm. whereas kayak is most definitely a european thing yeah if you went to hire a water thing that was either a canoe or a kayak it would definitely always be a kayak here yeah and then you get white water rafting where they they'll still use one paddle won't they and you'll definitely sat down for some of the time inflatable type yeah that's yeah that's very true for it i was trying to think of the film without a paddle and whether Mm. that that's a canoe they sat that's a canoe but they weren't oh i I can't remember there's a good excuse to watch it again yes yes let's watch it so we Obviously, over lockdown has been like not a lot to do. So we started looking at like fun boat trips you can do that like end in a pub. Because obviously, we're in England. That's what you live your life for, isn't it? You do something fun and you finish it in a pub. <laughs> well, there are many pubs by the side of rivers. There is. Which is quite handy. Mm-hmm. So, and we live really close to Basingstoke Canal. Don't know where it links to. So anyway, we one day decided we'd go down to the little boat hire shop and we'd get some... Well, the first time we did it, we got a rowboat, and that was not suitable. It was very The thing wobbly. I don't like about rowboats is that you face the wrong way. You can't yeah. see where you're going. I mean, the mayhem that's going to come from that. Exactly. Me directing and Chris rowing. You know, I get stressed out. I'm like, there's a bush there. Stop rowing into the bush. <laughs> so, yeah, rowboats are not ideal. Don't ever hire a rowboat if you can help it. But then the next time we went, we got kayaks for two hours. And oh my God, we literally had the best fun. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Going backwards, sideways and all the tricks. Tricks? Tricks. What sort of tricks were you? Well, you weren't doing tricks, but you know you do tricks (laughs) in kayaks. (laughs) You've seen those where they like, where it like gets the shallow water and they stab this thing in. So it lifts the boat up over the shallow bit of water. Yes, those are professional athletes that do that. Not somebody that's hired the boat for the first time. I just ran straight into the reeds instead. Very good. <laughs> but yeah, but I highly recommend. On a nice sunny day like this as well, we did it more wintry, so it wasn't that warm, but 
going for a little kayak down a river. Although you do have to take change clothes. I didn't think you'd get wet in a kayak, but I there was definitely some water spillage. The professional kayaks, they have a sort of plastic rubbery sheet, yes. spray deck that goes mm. between you and over the a very small hole that you have to get your long gangly legs in. Yeah. Which stops water getting in. And also they can roll all the way around. If that terrifies so, me though. Yeah, that does as well. I'll come on to a story about that in a minute. So that's going to stop you getting, well, not quite so wet, but I think you still get fairly damp. The thing is, a sort of modern kayak, sort of these plastic ones where you sit on, there's no protection at all. So you no. are going to get wet. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully I wore a raincoat just in case. But and When you look at, so I don't know what they call it, but the kayaking, where you, oh, the slalom where they go through gates. Yes. And they built that whole thing in East London for the Olympics in yes. 2012, yeah. which is brilliant. It's, it's, us, it's an incredible piece of engineering because you've got so much action in quite a small space. Mm. And it's brilliant on the television as well because you can see all of it. It's not yeah. like trying to film a World Rally Championship where you're, you know, you've got miles and miles where you've got to try and cameraize it, if that's a word. And it's so exciting as well. It's one of the relatively few exciting spectator sports, yeah. I, I would say. It is really good. A friend of mine used to be very into it and had a go at Barla Lake in Wales, where they've got this white water channel coming down into the lake. Mm. Yeah, he always loved that. To the point where he would dream about canoeing down Everest. <laughs> I, I think he could do that. Well, I think he'd read a book about it. Which I'll have to I see if I can it, find. I think you might be a bit dangerous, but I reckon you could canoe down Everest. Well, you've got gravity on your side, mm. and presumably they work on snow. Once you get to the rock, it's going to be a bit tricky. Yeah. We should try that when we go skiing. Hire a kayak and see if how far down we can get. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't all. think we'd get our deposit back for the hire. No, definitely not. Well, the last time we went kayaking in France, which <laughs> is oh, probably about 12 years ago, I guess. I was very young. You were quite young. So we'd stopped in a municipal campsite with a camper van. And I think we paid nine euros for all of us per night. Yeah. And it was it was beautiful. It was a bit off season. Um, we were right by the river. Mm. The only downside was the lavatories were the drop sort. So they yes. were a bit hard to, uh, to use. But for nine euros a night, you're not going to complain. I remember that as well being a very nice campsite it was really nice and we had we had the bikes with us so we'd ridden it in had a very nice meal the night before yeah. the re- restaurant so we walked up the road to canoe hire place kayak hire place and you got it they, wrong yeah i did get it wrong <laughs> I, I'll, I'll continue to get it wrong yeah. as well well they always when i was in the scouts they were always canoes they weren't kayaks uh. so yeah you can blame somebody else anyway yeah. so so what the arrangement was is they they loaded the kayaks on a trailer. You got in a minibus. They drove you for about 20, 25 minutes upstream, unloaded you. You got in the river and basically just pootled back. Mm. So we did that and we pootled past the campsite. So we stopped for lunch, pulled yeah. them up on the beach there, had lunch, and then carried on. And I thought I understood where we got out. So we'd stopped where I thought we would get out and we phoned them to come and pick us up. And foolishly, I phoned where I shouldn't have done because yeah. my ability to understand French is very, very limited. Mm. And Wife of Grumpy is much, much better at it. So she normally deals with this. So I don't know why I was dealing. Anyway, he said, oh, no, you're in the wrong place. You need to carry on. Okay. I thought it was a bit odd because there's two other blokes with kayaks pulled up. Stopped, I thought, yeah. Oh, it must be, yeah, it must be a different 
And he said, well, you'll, you'll go around past the town, he said, and you'll, you'll see this bridge. It looks a bit like where we are, but OK. So off we paddle. And after about 10 minutes, we're getting further and further away from civilization. Mm. The road which was running next to us is now about 200 metres above us. I mean, this ravine. The only plus side is we saw a kingfisher. Yes. And you don't see them very often. And they are fantastic. The colour in those is just gorgeous. But it was a plus side that also caused a lot of issues i believe if yes. i remember right yes absolutely so anyway we came to the conclusion we'd gone too far not for the first time uh so wife of grumpy phoned and got a completely different person and a completely different answer they said no no you've gone too far you're gonna have to go back we can't pick you up from that no road so so we turned around and i started paddling and fell out yes. and discovered there was a hole in the bottom of my boat so it, half of it had filled up with water, so it was immensely heavy. And we decided the best thing to do was to get out of them and to walk upstream. Unfortunately, it wasn't very deep. Now, somebody <laughs> decided they weren't going to do that because their legs weren't long enough. I was little. I was small. The you water came a lot higher on me than it did on you. That is, that is very true. And you managed to make such a fuss that it was easier to put you in the boat <laughs> and pull you. And to be honest, also, I did try to get out and help. And then mum said that I was keeping the boat more balanced because we, we had a two-person I, I think she was being polite, yes. Okay. <laughs> so Charlotte's pulling her boat. I'm pulling ours and like mum's pulling your two boat with you in with it. me in it <laughs> so after about an hour i think of trudging back upstream we, we eventually come in the wrong direction towards this bridge mm. and there's the bloke stood there with a the minibus having a cigarette as, as he would enjoying the um the surroundings and obviously heard the splashing looked round and was absolutely gobsmacked to see us <laughs> walking the wrong way up the river <laughs> But if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have seen the kingfisher. No, and followed it for an extra few. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, it's a trip that you'd probably forget otherwise. Yeah. Well, no, we had a few white water rafts on that trip, I remember. On that little kayak. Yes, we we did do another one with my aunt and uncle. Or aunt and uncles, there was two of them. Mm. um, Around, yes, those south of Clement-Ferrand in France. And the water was very low because it had been quite dry, hot and dry. And that was quite good fun, although you had to get out and pull the boat over bits. But there's there's one corner in particular where people were coming round and the current was just, they were just going bang into the side of the, the bank there. Whipping them around. Video. Yeah, yeah, it was quite uh, quite funny. And my sister and I did a trip down the Thames in an inflatable kayak. My dad, who passed away about 12 years ago, we decided we were going to raise a bit of money for the hospice he was in. So we created the Thames Challenge for ourselves, which mm. was going from Putney down to Greenwich, because it was the Greenwich hospice he was in. And we picked it very carefully. We picked our times so that we went with the tide, yes. not against it, because it is almost impossible to go the other way. And it was great. And it took us, I don't know, two or three hours, I suppose, to paddle yeah. down there. And But actually kayaking through the middle of London it's really what impressive. What an experience. Yeah. There was only one bit I was a bit terrified going between the bridge and it just we just caught a bit of an undertow. Mm. You know, God, we're going to go Because around the this, posts on the bridges, it's right, very yeah. like... Yeah, it's, it's very disturbed water yeah. as it were. So, yeah, so if you get the opportunity. And there are some kayak clubs that will... Some of them do go against the tide though. So don't join one of those. Go no. for the ones that go with Go for the, the easy one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what else you can do on the Thames bit sidetracked you can hire a self-driven hot tub 
that literally what? sits at the water level and you can and you can take alcoholic drinks in there and you all sit in this hot tub and it it just takes you on a little trip up the Thames and then back down like self-driven well I never how awesome is that yeah oh I have to look into that I yeah quite like the idea of that yeah you get two have little races well then these are just just drift just down have a few yeah, beers poodle. bring some sandwiches on a more serious note, though, there was a post on Facebook from a friend of mine during the week, and he's quite into his kayaking at this time of year. And he goes into one of the local rivers. He says on there, so coming back downstream, I had to paddle between a tree and a bank where the water was rushing through. So similar to posts around the bridges. Mm. A bramble caught me across the face, and the next thing I know, I was upside down under the kayak between the tree and the bank, which oh, is not, not a nice place to no. be. Obviously, he survived because he wrote the post. Yes. So, <laughs> that's not oh, too much. So, managed to slide out of the kayak, hold onto my paddle, and use it to wedge the boat against the tree so I could spend a moment planning my next steps. So, he got the boat back up again and got into it. But, he said, a good reminder to start wearing a buoyancy aid. Because that would pull you up straight away. Well, the thing is, if you knock yourself out, you've got a good chance of surviving because you would be, be upright. You'd be pulled up. Yeah, exactly. A paddle leash and a throw line. Well, certainly a buoyancy aid. Um, I would never get in a boat of that sort without one, to be honest. I've seen sailing, I've seen too many people knocked out. You know, if the boat goes over, then the boat's I mean, we didn't wear buoyancy aids, but I didn't even think about it. But actually, we probably should should have. Yeah, absolutely should do. I mean, but you know, they're, they're not that stable, to be honest. No. They're very rocky. Oh, we did another. Charlotte and I did a bit of an epic trip in Dorset. Oh, you did? Yeah, we went from Swanage yes. Bay round to Studland, which was, it was, it was a cracking bit of um, paddling mm. until we got to Old Harry. Yeah. You know, as we turned round Old Harry and start to go into shore, it was a offshore wind mm. and it was very strong. So we, could, we couldn't stop paddling. If we stopped paddling, we went backwards. Yeah, so that well, you definitely picked the right really, daughter to do that with. Really, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd be no help whatsoever. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, it's a it's a lovely place to be because there's lots of little inlets around mm. the bottom of the rocks and that. I'm not sure I would go too close to them, to be honest, because there's quite a lot of coming down. And uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, somebody fell off not so yeah. long ago and survived. Yeah. So. It's falling people everywhere. Yes, so I wholeheartedly recommend kayaking because it is lovely. And you've got another point. I just remembered. I went kayaking in um, Portugal with some of my female friends. Ah. We were on a little Females? Trip. Females. There were three of us. So I, we, there was all two people kayaks and they take you kayaking around all the caves and things. Mm, lovely. It was amazing, to be fair. I am slightly terrified of the ocean in some ways that a shark is going to come and get me so my whole aim for the whole trip was not to fall in it was like the one thing I didn't want to do was fall in and we were on the way there in the speedboat with the kayaks on the side and there was a really lovely family was just three of them as well so I partnered up with the mum because the dad and son went together so me and the mum went together and we shared a kayak it's lovely little bonding for someone I never never see again but we're going through all the caves and things. It was absolutely amazing and so like cool. And they took you into some really small ones. And and then to get out of the caves, they do sort of a one-way system because there's a lot of kayakers doing the same trip mm. with different companies, obviously. You have to paddle out of this area where it's 
direct ocean coming straight in. So um, okay. every three seconds, I'm going to say, a huge yes. wave yeah, comes pounding in. So you have to time it perfectly. So you have to like hide behind the rock. And then as soon as the wave goes past, you have to paddle as quickly as you can to get out before mm-hmm. the, the next wave comes. And um, the the son and the dad went before myself and their mum went. They did not time it well. Oh, and no. got like flown straight back into the yeah. cave, rolled and they were just like holding onto their thing in the water like, how do we get out now? <laughs> Obviously all okay. And the instructor just comes around and hops you back in. Yes. Yeah. But... It, it looked terrifying, to be fair. You literally just get completely washed over by this huge yeah. wave back into the cave. But uh, myself and the mum timed it well, thankfully. I didn't have to experience that. Well, the desire to stay in the boat, which I think is a very good idea, not necessarily because of sharks, but also the pain of having to try and get back into the boat from the mm. water. It's hot. Quite light, so it's easy. But being a bit lardy, it's... Um, yeah. Quite an effort, to be yeah. honest, and not something I really... It's a bit like a dinghy, isn't it? Trying to get back into a capsized dinghy. Yes, yeah, and it's a bit higher, and you're, like, yeah, hoofing yourself up over the yeah. higher edge. So I, I've always tried not to capsize, ever. Yes, yeah, that's a good rule. Don't yes, end up definitely. in the water. Yeah, going back to Dorset, there's a kayak safari that goes from Kimmeridge Bay. Mm-hmm. Which is a lovely spot. You can see dolphins uh, on that sometimes. You can, yes. A friend of mine's seen them while well, well, sailing, actually. I can't remember what time of year. It was a very long time ago. We should and maybe give that a go. Well, I think we probably should, to be honest. Mm. That'd be quite good fun. I'm not sure wife or grumpy would be too keen on it. Nah, she can take pictures from the side. Well, possibly. She might, might prefer a boat-to-boat. I would like my own kayak this time as an adult. Yes, well, you're responsible for it. it. And if you have to walk back upstream, it's yours. <laughs> what, upstream in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> well, it could happen. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the lippy and grumpy advice is definitely try kayaking. It's definitely. great fun. Mm. Don't fall out of the boat and do wear a buoyancy aid. Yes. Now, Lippy, I wanted to talk, but not rant, about open plan offices. Okay. I, I really don't like them. I'm not a fan either, to be honest. I don't understand why they're so popular with companies. No. I've worked at a number of companies that had individual offices and others with open plan offices. Mm-hmm. By far the most productive are places where you can close yourself away, where it's not too noisy. But then there is a lot of politics involved in individual offices. I realise that, and that's something that I don't really understand. Well, I know I understand why it happens, but I don't... Um, it's like, who's got the bigger office? Yeah. Who has more windows? Or in one place, who was first in terms of the air conditioning because they then controlled the whole office. Ooh. So it, it came into one and it literally was a was a ring. So it would come into one office, he would set it to whatever temperature he would he wanted. Mm. So if it was well, if it was a constant, say, eighteen degrees, then if it was very cold, the rest of us wouldn't get the heating. And yeah. if it was very hot, the rest of us wouldn't get the cool air. So we were roasting in the summer and freezing in the winter. That's not good. Which has got nothing to do with politics on individual, just some no. really rubbish HVAC engineering. And we had the same again at the office that we moved out of mid-last year. So that was supposed to be a constant 21 
and it wasn't because the same air conditioning did both sides of the building and one side was in the sun in the morning and the other side was in the sun in the afternoon mm. so it had it a knock-on work. effect to the other side yeah. but that's not really why i dislike open plan offices i have worked in a few where it's worked very well i worked for hewlett packard in bracknell for a couple of years and they managed to get it right because they'd been sensible about dividers and screens that stop the noise and it's mostly the noise that annoys me massively and i find find distracting Uh, not only the fact that you're pushing bugs around as well but that's partly the air conditioning or whatever system you've got to yeah get airflow around so it's not only the open plan offices but it'll be interesting to see what happens as we come out of lockdown Mm. and people start going back to offices whether they rethink the way that they work and whether they're laid out and certainly the the new office we've got into is better laid out in that respect and it's got more rooms where you can go and work quietly but typically what happens is you don't have enough meeting rooms and too many meetings which Mm -hmm. is another rant all of its own (laughs) yes and then you either end up with people meeting in inappropriate places like the canteen or at the desks and the noise level just goes up and up and up especially in a sales-based office Uh, particularly yeah going back to the last office i was in I was sat right next to the kitchen, so there was all the noise Busy, of people yeah. going in and out, and next to the support team, who were on the phone all day, because okay. that's their job, and it yeah. just, you, you need to segregate that, and there was no segregation, there was initially some walls put up, but as they had to squeeze more people into the same space, the walls came down, it was a, yeah. it was a luxury. One of my favourite films of all time is a film called Office Space, with Jennifer Anderson in it, she plays a waitress at local sort of TGI Friday type place who mm. doesn't quite fit in with putting lots of badges on a uniform and things like that, or flare as they call it. And the local IT company come over. And the premise of the film is that one of the guys is a bit not happy with work and life in general. So he goes to see a hypnotist and halfway through the hypnotist session, the hypnotist keels over and passes away this This is a great film it's a great film so this guy is in this constant just laid back all of the time super chilled super chilled and i I mean it's a great parody of office life to be Mm. honest because obviously the company's going through a bit of trouble so they get some consultants in that cost an arm and a leg and all they do is they interview the staff and then write the notes up so this guy comes in he comes in late he's dressed in shorts and a t-shirt he removes all the screws from one of the partitions and just kicks it down. So he's now looking out the window. And uh, so they start taking his view seriously because he's a bit different. Yeah. It is, it's crazy. It's a great film. Well worth watching. It's on, I think it's on Disney. But interesting, this office move, the company I'm working for at the moment, have had. So you can't have any personal items. You have this no. tiny little locker. So, you know, I've collected over the years quite a lot of technical books that, some of which have outdated and thrown out but sometimes you need a pile of books to work through and it's you know i know it's all on the screen but i actually find books a bit easier sometimes for things like that finding things yeah so the only way you can have those is if you bring them in every day so just sit the boot mm-hmm. of the car and come in every day it just feels very clinical and they've now come up with the idea of nobody has a desk so it's not hot desking as such but it's you just come group and yourselves according to the work you're doing yeah so you organize yourself into, into and i just find that a bit odd it's almost you sort of come on you don't quite belong mm. because you haven't got your space interestingly i watched a video and read an article from a hr person from their perspective 
of trying to organise people coming back to work. Oh, interesting. And the lady was saying she did, she sent out loads of like survey type questions to all the staff saying the main questions were, do you want to come back in full time? Okay. If no, how many hours would you like to come in for? And then the options were like none. So you could fully work from home, like 25%, 50%, etc. And then another question was, do you want your own desk? If the question, if the answer was yes, would you be willing to share? And then there was a couple more about hot desking and, and things like that as well. And she said the issue she had is the majority of the responses most people didn't they wanted to work full-time from home but have the option of coming in if on a day they decided actually I do need to go into the office for this they didn't want to desk share if that was the case if they came in they wanted to come into their own desk not be sharing it with somebody else and then she said the other one was that a lot of people said they wanted to do 50% work from home and work from the office again didn't want to share a desk wanted their own desk And her summary of it all was, we need, it doesn't matter that all of our staff are working from home the majority of the time, we still need an office space that's costing us X amount a month that can fit 500 desks in for all of our staff because they all want their own desk, even though they won't be in the office. That's really interesting. And Mm. I I can see how that turns out. Yeah. And having said about not having personal desks is... You feel a little lost. I think there has to be some flexibility. Definitely. And if you want to work at home, I mean, I've worked for home for you know, on and off for twenty years. I'm quite happy not having a fixed desk if it means I can work at home. Yeah. Because most of the thinking work I do is at home, mm. and most of the work where you're connecting with other people, you do in the office. Yeah. You know, if you're spending most of that time in meetings, that's that's. You don't need a desk fine. then, really, so, anyway, do you? If you're in a I, I think. Another way of looking at it might be to say to the staff, well, if you're going to work at home for a period of time, that means we can reduce the office size. You're not going to have your own desk, but we've saved £100 million a year. Mm. We'll give you a percentage of that Yeah. instead yeah. as an incentive. <laughs> I doubt that's ever going to happen, but uh, but interesting. But yeah. Over the beginning of lockdown, I think Google announced they were still building large offices in North London. Mm. I can't remember exactly where it is. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there because they seem to be heading towards the work anywhere type approach, yeah. but seem to have done a bit of a U-turn I think on that. It's it's hard for companies like Google that are known for their work environment and known for like having comfy seats you can go and sit in if you're feeling a bit tired and it's not you don't go into work just to work. You go into work and you have social time and they have really good food and stuff yeah. there and a really good culture as well. And with staff wanting to work from home it takes that added extra away from them so like chris's company they have really good culture and they go and do a lot of stuff together and they all still go into the office but if they were all working from home that wouldn't be a selling point of the company anymore it wouldn't be we work super hard but we have all this fun as well it's the definition of work super hard does that mean we just work for a long time Mm. or do we work really efficiently for seven and a half hours and i know the way that chris works in sort of small sprints of work is is very very productive and i know that works very well for him and and for a lot of other people as well Mm. that does require a quiet office for example or somewhere you can 
you can go. And I think the, the problem with these jobs that are effectively a lifestyle, yeah. so like Google and that, you do end up spending too much time there. You do, I think yeah. one of the things the COVID period has shown us is it is possible to have a better work-life well, balance. Life. So, But also working at home destroys that to a certain extent. It's, mm. it's, I can do it because I've done it over 20 years. But you know, to begin with, it was very difficult not to have dinner and go back up to the office and yeah. do another couple of hours' work because it's there. But then it will be there tomorrow morning. So Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, as a mate of mine says, who's an engineer, he said, oh, you know, I'll work on all, all night on something if it means by the morning it's done. But if I look at it and go doesn't matter if i work for three days it's still not going to be done i'm not going to work all night because that's pointless yeah. it, ma- it makes no sense at all either find a different way to do it or you you know you, you say it's not going to be ready yeah. yeah i've got an article from wired magazine which I, i've always thoroughly enjoyed and it's talking about silicon valley ruined work culture and one of the things it talks about is things like free dinner mm. can incentivize people to stay in the office longer yeah nap pods suggest you can take a break at work which you need because you're staying all night so it does it encourages a different way of working when i go back to when i first started writing computer code in the 80s there was one job i had where i put in an immense amount of extra hours but it was fine because i was single i actually quite enjoyed what i was doing and was learning a whole bucket load and it was absolutely fine until i wanted to stop and then it was a bit tricky but um you know for that period the amount i learned and the benefit I personally gained from that was worth it. But as a, a lifetime's career, you can't do that all the time. Mm. Just your body explodes. <laughs> yeah, this article talks about cubicle farms, which if you're a follower of the Dilbert cartoons, that's where he started. And the chap that started, what, draws the Dilbert cartoons started as a working in a cubicle, which he found quite depressing. And, uh, yes, I understand why that is. He goes on to say offices used to be gulags, but at least they had a clear purpose. You wouldn't hang out in a cubicle farm, let alone spend time there on the weekends. Then companies like Google came along and reinvented the rat race into something with purpose and along the way confused work with the rest of your life. Mm. Now your co-workers are supposed to feel like family, which I sort of understand for to a degree, but I think it's... um, I think it's going too far, to be honest. My favourite job, I worked in a small office. There were me, it was me and the other girl in my department and then the two people from marketing and we used to have an absolute ball. We worked when we needed to work. <laughs> we used to have a great time, but everyone used to leave at half five. We'd, if anyone stayed late, it would be get up and go home now. Yeah. We had yeah. very much had the culture of don't stay late. Like we're not, we're not the kind of people that stay late. It's going to be there tomorrow. Go yeah. home. <laughs> Absolutely. And interestingly, Scott Adams, just remember the guy that wrote The Right Still, but he wrote a couple of books in the 90s and he created this fictitious company with, and basically he just filled it with all these likes and dislikes. Mm. And one of the things he said, I'm going to name the company Go Home at Five. Yeah. And everybody goes home at five. I mean, obviously, it's difficult if you're a small company and you've got a bit of a crisis on, mm. then. Yeah, sometimes you have to put in extra time and that's absolutely fine. But as a everyday working extra hours, unless you can see an end to it or it's a means to an end. But if it's, you know, if it's just a job, no, no, no. And stay out of open plan offices. (laughs) It has to be said, though, there are some benefits to open plan offices. You get um, you get a good idea of what's going on. You can uh, 
gossip. You, yes, you can poke fun at people as they walk past that you wouldn't necessarily see. So mm. uh, I suppose there are some benefits, but some. I think overall, in not terms work of benefits though. No, not no, none whatsoever. of the benefits are proactive work benefits. Absolutely. And what I don't understand is why there hasn't been more research into this. And either I'm completely wrong, which is a distinct possibility, but there have been a number of articles in, in various magazines, and we're not talking about railway modeler or bike here, in, you mm. know, sort of business magazines that say that it doesn't, doesn't work. But yeah. it's a trend, and that's the problem. A lot of companies pandering to trends and shareholder perception have to uh, sort of go along with it, really. I do think a lot of younger workers do like it because you can hide easier in an open plan office. Possibly right, actually. You can do things like not pick up the phone as frequently because your manager who's overseeing 20 people in one space can't actually see how often or hear you on the phone or not on the phone. You are suggesting that young people are work shy. I think I think a lot of young people struggle to call out and answer phones when they first go into work. I know I definitely did because with mobile phones, you can see exactly who's calling you. You can see if you want to pick it up or not. But with landline phones, especially office ones, don't tend to have that system on there or you know you're not going to know the person you're answering the phone to. Yeah, cold calling is very difficult. Mm. Really difficult. Yeah, I think... I don't get any training for it either. No. That's the thing. I mean, there must be ways of dealing with it. But, My uh, training was just keep going until you get yeah. used to it. But then there's techniques that make it easier, make it more efficient. You see yeah. what I mean? There's no point just banging on the same thing that you don't know what you're doing and getting the same results. Mm. It's crazy. Anyway, we have diverted a little bit from open plan <laughs> offices and my rant to uh, making cold telephone calls. So well, you'll be interested to hear your experiences of offices whether you have a preference or not. Yeah. Certainly mine is smaller offices. I've worked in some very old houses, which have been quite fun. So they're completely inappropriate for an office in terms of layouts oh, yeah. and seating heights and things like that. But they, they seem to be the greatest fun. At my young age, I worked in a stable converted into an office at a manor house. Yeah. <laughs> Great, loved it. The gardener's loose next to us. So lippy. Have you got a top tip for us? I do have a top tip. So, if you're out picnicking, you know, or maybe at the beach, or maybe just heading somewhere and you want a you want a beer, obviously if you're not driving, don't do this if you're driving because that's illegal. If you forget a bottle opener, you can use the metal part of your seatbelt to remove the lid of a bottle. Can you really? Yeah. Well, I never. You know the little hole in the middle of the metal? Yes. Clip that over and up. I think I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. See if that works. There's my top tip. Please don't use that whilst you're actually the designated driver. Only use that if you're the alcoholic passenger. Yes, quite. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it used to be when I was a scout that a scout belt would open a bottle Mm. because we had Coca-Cola then in bottles with tops. It's not beer. It's not beer. Oh, that's that's a very good one. We'll we'll try that. So I have a fact. Yes. It's also almost an on this day thing. Oh. And it's a good piece of advice. Oh, okay then. But it's not fun. Well, we can make it fun. We can I don't it. think so. Okay. So, on June the 17th, 1797, mm. which is my birthday, obviously yes. not 1797, but June the 17th, <laughs> Persian king Agha Muhammad Khan ordered two servants to be executed for being too noisy rude i I would not not, i would not stay alive very long in that lifetime no you wouldn't definitely not 
No. Since it was a holy evening, he delayed their executions until the next day and made the servants resume their duties. Mm. That night, they assassinated him. That is quick thinking. Quick thinking, but it does go to prove that you should not put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Well, especially if you're going to kill someone. Yes, absolutely. They'll kill you first. (laughs) Yes, if you're planning on executing somebody, do it today. Yeah, not tomorrow. (laughs) Not tomorrow. In obviously in the 1700s, not in not in the 2000s, because we don't do that no, kind of thing anymore. No, no, that wouldn't be sensible now. But no. I think executing people for being too noisy is quite a good policy. I don't, if I'm no. honest. No, can't think why. Too noisy all the time. Anyway, normal lippy and grumpy do podcasting service will be resumed next week. Yes, and uh, we should be back to. Uh, Picking out very odd and weird news items again, uh, provided Lippy's move went well. Yes, otherwise it will be a 40-minute podcast on what went wrong. <laughs> well, we might just replace it with a, what we've done previously. Yeah. <laughs> Here's episode one again. Yeah, just for those who didn't hear it first time around. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.